So welcome again to the Daz and Daz podcast. I'm joined by Darren Hill. How are you today, Darren? I'm good, Daz. How are you? Good, good. Now, we've spoken off air about the Super Bowl. Uh, neither of us are Patriots fans, so we're going to just go straight past that and not really discuss it. This is an NBA podcast after all, so I think we're going push, push past that. What we're going to talk about is three main topics we're going to touch on. Some of the topsy-turvy teams in the league, and that's something that sort of jumped out at us in the past week across the league. We're going to have a quick discussion about the All-Star game and maybe some players who missed out there and a couple of players uh, in the starting lineup and who could have replaced who, etc. And then we're going to also just touch on the trade deadline a little bit. But just to touch on a conversation that we had just before we started here, Darren, you said you noticed last week just how fascinating it's been, the topsy-turvy nature of the league and how some teams that you're expecting to maybe tank are staying to win, some teams that you might thought might be going to the playoffs are staying to lose, and then teams like Toronto right at the top of the league that you're expecting maybe to push the Cavs, they've fallen right down to number five in the East. Well, that's, that's actually what got my attention was, I don't know, you know how it is, right? Sometimes you... Sometimes there's days where I don't, you know, I check this, the schedule every day to see what's happening. Sometimes I just maybe see how the Bucks are still, you know, faring out. But um, sort of watching the Bucks on their West Coast trip, I perhaps lost a bit of the what was going on in the East. And suddenly I blinked in Toronto, who I thought were going to be absolutely uncatchable, um, were priming themselves to be a genuine, not just an annoying, but a genuine threat to the Cavs. You know, some of those rumors about could they get, could they pry Millsap away and really make a, you know, help neutralize Tristan, you know, in a seven-game series, those sorts of conversations. And all of a sudden I blink, and there you go. They're the number five seed. And so that's why I go, I haven't been, you know, watching the inter-game dynamics, but um, something's going on in Toronto. Well, I think there's two things I'd say. One thing has been that DeRozan's been injured. And I think even when he's played, he hasn't been 100%. And he's obviously such a big part of what they do. The second thing is, I sent out a post, uh, as you know, on the Facebook uh, page that we have, talking about the Celtics-Raptors game. And at the start of that game, I think the Celtics were minus seven on the boards after the first quarter. And I just thought, you can't, you're not going to be competitive in the East with that level of rebounding. And then I heard Zach Lowe talking about the Raptors on one of his podcasts and he actually said that even though the Celtics are ranked I think 29th in the league the team that ranked 27th only two spots above them is Toronto so you don't think of Toronto as a bad rebounding team but actually are They're, they're getting killed on the boards every single night and funnily enough after I made the comment in the Celtics game Marcus Smart pulls down a massive rebound, massive offensive rebound right at the end of the game after I think a miss uh, free throw, which actually wrapped up the game for the Celtics. So there's a couple of problems there. I think they need to address their problems in the rebounding, uh, but they also need to get DeRozan back and fully fit. And I think once they do that, I think they'll be fine, but I think we probably need to woo up on, on them challenging the Cavs just now. I think they suffer a bit from when I've seen a bit of what the, the Bucks suffer even to a stronger degree is they play that they play that aggressive trappy sort of defense where they swarm the ball. You know, Lowry's so quick and they send length, you know, at the first pass and try to you know just trap everywhere. What that does though is it opens up opens up these gaps, right? That just it's hard to body 
people on the offensive boards and you guys got switching everywhere and going under every screen. So that's what I think is soft. That's what I'm hearing suffers. They're suffering from too. It's just a, their scheme lends itself to that. And that's where I keep coming back to the thing. Like a, they need a, someone like a Millsap, a big body a veteran type. He knows exactly his spacing. So I, that's where I think they need to go is I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but you're bang on. They need someone to, you know, to clean that mess up. Yeah. I think they need an extra scoring, a guy that can score and rebound and, and defend, you know, do it, give him a little bit of everything, I think. And Valentunas, he's an okay scorer from time to time, but I don't think he's the player that they they wanted him to be. And they probably expected he would be from a few years ago so yeah uh, they, they're certainly going to be a term i think to watch at the trade deadline um and of course as we spoke about before we came on here again one of the big uh, dominoes has already fallen because miles Plumley was traded away from the bucks to Charlotte. It's gonna, one of the biggest moves that's, already that's in sh- it is shockwaves to the whole eastern conference does <laughs> i mean ever who who they were lining up a $50 million Miles Plumley. I tell you what, Bucks Nation honestly hasn't been this happy since Kareem and Big O brought home a title. <laughs> we just couldn't believe there's someone out there. They're like the Sacramento South. What on earth? So, yeah, we couldn't be happier. Um, I think he's averaging 2.7 points and. 1.4 rebounds a game in about 11 minutes, and he's lost time to Thon Maker, who gets confused just running onto the court. Right, he, he kind of you know loses where he's supposed to be. So, um, well, sorry, I, I could the, talk- the comment yeah. from the Charlotte. I watched the Charlotte game in his first game uh, that he had there, and the comment was, "Oh, well, they're hopeful that he's going to rediscover the Phoenix form." that he had from a couple of years ago, where he was actually a handy player uh, for them. But I, I'm not sure that I can see that happening. I mean, look, I think he could be a handy player, but not on that contract. That's it. It's always been the, the contract. We thought, look, on paper, you know, the a rim rolling, he actually, he's quite athletic. Um, you know, athletic sort of big, who can just make some noise and bang. On a, We probably thought what... Two year fifteen would have been probably what we thought he'd be worth. Mm. Maybe two years twenty if you wanted to kind of bump me up to John Henson money, but four years fifty. <laughs> so yeah, look, I think what happened was what I see happening in Charlotte is the you've got Kemba who's playing out of his mind. Um, they've got a support team who's actually been playing quite well. Cody. Cody Zeller's had a really nice season. He's been really good. Hasn't he? He's been, been reliable. You've got Frank the Tank, who's finding his place. You're seeing some of that. You know, he's almost like the Brogdon that I sort of call, right, that four-year starter, yeah. supremely smart, high skill level, just doesn't have the physicality. yet. He's starting to figure it out and, and be an asset. And then what happens? Zeller goes and gets hurt. Um, and you see when Hibbert and Spencer Hawes tried to fill some of the gap. That's where I think what happened to Steve Clifford and the Hornets. They said, oh, my gosh, if Zeller has any sort of trouble for the long term, we are radically exposed. 
and they are desperate for the playoffs. So, look, a bit of a perfect storm for Milwaukee unloading the the contract. Um, and Miles is a good guy, to be fair. Good teammate. Um, he's a smart enough player. He just he's got the mind of a kind of a shooting guard who can't shoot a lick. He just <laughs> doesn't body anybody. You watch tape of him, you go, oh, why didn't you box him out? So he does those little things that drive you nuts. But um, I think that on paper, he and Kemba in a 1-5 pick and roll, on theory, in theory, I'm like, okay, maybe Steve Clifford can get something out of him. So, well, he anyway. was hitting that shot at the top of the key for Phoenix, and that's, I guess, where they're hoping to get him back to, get him in the pick and roll. And that would have been with Bledsoe, and I believe Dragic was there in that season when he had a good season as well. So... I wonder if the Charlotte management was doing what fans do, where we go to Draft Express, watch four minutes of strengths, and said, we've got to get that guy. That's what I think. I'm pretty sure they did with Miles Pumley. They saw four minutes of his highlights from Phoenix and said, got to get that kid. They well, didn't, it might be they a didn't watch the weakness situation tape. too, where, they, where he might have had a good game against Jason Kidd somewhere along the line. And mm. Jason Kidd just remembered it and thought, I'm going to get that guy. Yeah. So, Could be. And then one of the other teams has been interesting in terms of uh, just completely falling away lately, or really since after a strong start, has been the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, I sort of watched them a fair, and they're one of those young teams, and we see it every year. They, One of those young teams goes 10-10 and 10 to start the season. Everyone's excited about them, and they're going to make the playoffs and things like that. But it was always, I guess, in the back of their mind because it obviously is in their best interests to fall outside the top three because otherwise they've got to give their pick to uh, Philly. And then I think they have to give their first-round pick next year to Orlando. So they're in in big trouble if uh, they fall out of that top three this year. So from that point of view, it was always going to be a case where I think they start resting guys and start saying, look, we need to look at the long-term aspects of this. Uh, But I think you were saying before when we had the conversation before about the teams, the worst teams in both conferences. Uh, what, 0-23, I think you said? So there's a real clear pattern starting to emerge of the worst teams in the league and who's really sort of putting throwing down the goal and saying, we're going for the top pick. Yeah, look, that's a bit of an overstatement. But um, So Tankathon, right, is the, the race for the number one draft pick. And so it literally has a reverse standing. It's the number one team in the league. And Tankathon is Brooklyn, right? They're nine and forty-two and lost nine in a row. And you can see that they show the probability that they'll they'll get a top three pick or number one pick. And they it's, it's a beautiful they don't own. <laughs> they say don't own. It goes right to Boston, doesn't it? Yeah, with almost almost. Well, it's a swap right, which is even worse, right? Mm. It's not even a protected pick. It's a swap right, which is um, which is good as gone. So, um, but the Lakers. Um, well, D'Angelo got hurt, didn't he? And then, boy, if, I'm worried about Brandon Ingram. He, some, Something's missing. Have you seen Brandon Ingram play? I have. I've got him on my fantasy team. And I, at, at first, I thought he was going to be a keeper. And the more I've watched of him, I just can't quite work out what he's going to, where he's going to fit. Uh, and they've tried him at point guard for a couple of games. He was just an absolute disaster when he played point guard, he can't really shoot. I mean, he's just not shooting well, and that was the thing they thought he's at least going to be a good shooter. But having said that, I remember Jabari's first year. 
he didn't look like he could shoot a lick either, and he's actually shooting the ball quite well now. So, so maybe there's a bit of you've got to have a bit of patience there. But I'd maybe. be really concerned if I'm the Lakers about the fact that here's a guy that we said he's going to have a beautiful jump shot. He's going to be Kevin Durant, Mark, you know, Mark two. That was the sort of hype coming out of college, and he can't shoot. So or at least that's how how it looks at the moment. Yeah, I don't have a comparable because Jabari only played. To be fair to Jabari, let's be very clear. He shot. I'd have to go to Basketball Reference or something. I think Jabari shot close to fifty percent in his rookie year, but he blew his ACL in his twenty fifth or thirtieth game, right? And I think what's what's Ingram shooting thirty five percent? Some some unseemly number. He's shooting the last ten games. He's shooting thirty one percent, which is actually down, right? I think he's. Was it 35, 36%? His overall is 36%, yeah. It looks like a kid who is, he's inside of his head, but then nothing seems to come naturally. He's, it feels like he's having to think so hard on every possession where I need to go and what I need to do. It just feels like a guy classically trapped in his head, and there's nothing instinctive to him. And that's, that's where I worry, where there's not a, this is game 50, right? He's played 53 games. They go, my goodness. I would have expected by now he would have had a single. Like, just give me one 25-point game. Give me one of those games where you sink five three-pointers. Just a, a glimpse of something. And that that's where I kind of worry about the Lakers. I think that's where if I'm a Laker fan, which has sort of a domino effect, they're supposed to be one of these alleged teams who can make a play for DeMarcus Cousins. I go, as as dim as the Sacramento front office is, <laughs> I, I hope they have basketball reference and go, oh boy, Brandon can't shoot. Let's not go after him. But uh, so I think it's interesting what's going to happen there. Which I, if Brandon doesn't turn it around, that could change you know, the Lakers' whole outlook on did they go after a star or not. Yeah, that's right, and that's that's the thing now for the Lakers. It's like, well, what what do we do? Do we get these young assets and see how they pan out, or do we maybe look at trading them up and getting a guy that's a bit better now? Uh, it's it's a difficult situation for them to be in. Oh, that's the worst, right? When they're they're going to have to be, they'll be forced into a selling low scenario, or just trying to you know hope and pray they can get some development out of these guys, but. Um, I, don't, I have faith in D'Angelo. I've seen enough of him to go. If with the right sort of system and talent, I think D'Angelo can can be like a little mini a mini Lillard. I like I like D'Angelo a lot, actually. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, if Clarkson was a nice pickup, they've actually had some good drafts. They've, they've picked up some nice players later on in drafts. Even Larry Nance Jr. has shown some moments. But I think uh, if you if you whiff. And I, I think it's obviously too early to say hey, Brandon Ingram's a complete whiff. But if he doesn't develop the way they're, they're hoping he would, uh, then that's going to be a, a major miss. And if they somehow do miss out on the top three uh, pick this year, that's going to be... And that, that's obviously a pick that Milwaukee had at one point as well, if you remember. Don't even... No, don't. No. <laughs> don't even... to bring that up, but... That's that. If that pick falls outside uh, the top three, as I said earlier, Philadelphia you get it. It's gone. Their future then, because then there's there's also um, something with the Orlando. Orlando have a pick as well, which it goes back to the whole Steve Nash 
trade also. So they were they're a little bit similar to the Nets in the sense that a few years ago they put all their chips on the table and said we're going to go for a title. We've got Dwight Howard, we've got uh, Kobe Bryant, we still have Pau Gasol, we've got Steve Nash. We're going to go for it, and of course, it blew up even worse than what happened at the Nets. But they probably didn't sell the farm quite the way the Nets did. But it's still going to come back and bite them at some point. That they, I mean, even if 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 they keep their pick this year, they're still not going to be very good next year. So that's going to be a nice pick for Philadelphia, whether this year it's say four or five, or next year it could be top three. It would take it would take a ping pong ball for the Lakers to fall out of the top three. I just don't see – I think Philadelphia is actually playing some decent basketball. You see Embiid carrying them. I'm looking at the teams around the Lakers, right, who could force them into the top three. New Orleans is going to try to collect assets and win games. They're desperate to show Anthony Davis they can do something. I think, well, there's the other news of the week. Minnesota, they're right down there. They're, they're three games behind the Lakers in reverse standings. But, boy, poor Zach Levine, huh? You wonder if that changes the way, you know, Minnesota thinks about the rest of their season as well. So I guess what I'm, it looks like the Lakers are pretty safe in the top three, but my goodness, what happens to Minnesota without Levine? Oh, I think Minnesota, Minnesota will, Tibbs will do his usual. He'll, he'll play his eight players. He'll be looking to win. I don't think it's in his nature to try and tank a season. And maybe they look at what they've got in Tyus Jones. Uh, I've always sort of thought he had something I'd like to see him play more, and Chris Dunn will get more minutes, so it might not be the worst thing in the world. But I doubt it's obviously not going to help their win loss, uh, them in the win loss column. Oh so, yeah, I'm not. I have a real hard time with the. I use Tankathon only for the website. I don't believe anyone ever. I think the only people who talk about tanking as a as a strategy or motive have actually never played sports. Because I'm sorry, I'm a you know, an overweight, fat, white guy, and you get me on, you know, the concrete court outside the Balmain Hospital with Cram, I'm going to back that motherfucker down. I'm I'm going to the rack. I'm not losing. So yes. I think the people who talk about tanking as a motive or a strategy, it's a, it's a conversation behind perhaps GM doors that does perhaps trickle down to the coaches to perhaps play the rookies a little more than the veterans. I don't dispute that, but it is – it's nothing more than I think what's going to happen in Minnesota's case. Poor Levine, right? 18, 19 points a game. It's an ACL, so he's gone for at least a year. Mm. That's going to hit the morale, right? That, that's I saw what happened to the Bucks when Jabari tore his ACL. It ripped the guts out of the team. Mm. He just feels so bad for the kid. So that's more what I mean. You're right. Tibbs is Tibbs, but I just go, oh. What a think, punch in the gut to your top. I think top. Where you, you're right. It plays itself out more in the back office. So it's it's a matter with the Lakers, for example. If D'Angelo Russell's not 100%, they're not bringing him back. Uh, they're just going to say, that's oh, it. We'll that's right. A bit longer. With, with Minnesota, I think they're going to keep going the way they were going. But of course. Really? Um, maybe, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I value Levine more than. I think you've. Uh, look, most, I've watched quite yeah. a bit of Minnesota because. I love Wiggins. I yeah. want to see how Towns went. And I had high hopes for them this year. And Levine's one of them guys that one one game he'll come in and score 30, the next game he'll score eight. And you just think where, there's a massive difference between um, where him night to night, on a night to night basis. So I'm not sure it'll be the yeah. massive blow 
that uh, that maybe people think. I just hope yeah. he comes back and keeps the explosive nature of his game when he comes yeah, back from that injury. Boy, you're you're right there, Daz. I just had a quick look at his game log and. Something happened to him in February. I wonder if his, he'd hurt his knee and didn't realize it, but you see him in – just having a glance at January. He went oh, from a, the 9th of November to the 1st of – 3rd of January, so it looks like about 25 games, where his lowest point total was – he was in double digits every game, a bunch of 25-point games in a row. Then all of a sudden in January, 8 points, then 24, then 5. Then he got shut out, then 11, then 18, then 9, then 4, then 23. You're right. Something was going on in February. I'm sorry, in, in January. That doesn't seem to be – you wonder if something was going on before he – if he got hurt before he – before the knee actually went out or something. It was quite possible. But I, I just know from watching him night to night, he just – and you said that in the stats there, he'd just disappear for nights. And you think, the? is Levine even on the court now? Part of that, some nights you watch them and, and Wiggins is uh, feeling it, so they just go through Wiggins all night. Or Towns might be feeling and they go through Towns most of the night. But for a player of that talent to just totally disappear the way he had yeah, um, fair. in some of those games. Now, as you say, maybe there was an underlying injury and now it's it's uh, come out now that he wasn't 100% right. But... Uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, how he comes back. But I, don't, I still don't think it's going to be a massive hit to them um, in the win-loss. Not game. to the win-loss, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair Not enough. Not that they're winning a lot of games anyway. Oh, um, just... But the dunk contest. Yeah, I was say looking forward to him and Aaron Gordon going out My again. goodness. So I'm not sure uh, who's going to go in the dunk contest against him now. Maybe Giannis might have to step in. May the insurance policy won't cover him. No way. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have to um, think maybe Yogi Ferrell, maybe he can also do the dunk contest. <laughs> if we had a, if we had a, I'm going to institute a, a weekly WTF. Maybe that's what our weekly thing is. WTF Yogi Ferrell, Daz. <laughs> well, he couldn't, he couldn't throw it in the ocean at Indiana. I watched him multiple times against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wait for us to play Indiana. Because he'd, you know, he'd go four for twenty-one. You know, cool. He was a chucker. <laughs> Once a chucker, <laughs> always a chucker. Did you see what he did? Please tell me you saw what he did the other night. I saw the st- I saw the box score. I didn't watch any of the game. Oh no! Nobody watches Dallas on purpose. <laughs> I didn't expect you to watch that train wreck of a team. But did he go for thirty-two or something? What the? That's my WTF of the week, Yogi Ferrell. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just dropping the mic on Yogi Ferrell. That's it. Well, I, I think to the point on Dallas, and we spoke about Dallas and, and Miami and the fact that they're coming up. Uh, and what, what I think Miami won eight in a row, uh, maybe even nine in a row now. But Ten. Ten in a row now. Okay. Yeah. So my view on that is, and we talked about tanking before, I just think it's impossible to tank if you have such a good good coaches. And you're talking about two of the best coaches in the NBA in Rick Carlisle and, and Eric Spolstra. Spolstra, to me, is historically underrated as a coach. I mean, what he did with that Miami team was absolutely phenomenal. And you're seeing now with Ty Lue, you know, it's it's difficult having a guy with an ego like LeBron James. Well, throw in Dwayne Wade on top of that and then throw in Pat Riley on top of that 
and it, it's it's a difficult environment to coach in even though there's a lot of talent there obviously but I thought the job he did was just phenomenal in the, to get them to those four finals in a row and he's kept them competitive even though and particularly this year you look at their roster and you think how is this team doing as well winning 10 in a row with that roster and there have been some decent teams in that time as well mate they've yeah I'm just having a quick look they've and also keep in mind they've done a lot of this when did Winslow go out he's been out for a while hasn't he was he out and then came back but he's meant to be their defensive stopper but yeah they've won they've won 10 in a row look I one of the parts I did see was when Hassan Whiteside went absolutely mental and went, I think he had a 30 20 game. He went Moses Malone. <laughs> he literally just opened up a can and said, F this, I'm getting every rebound. Yeah, this was a game against, well, Philadelphia. Um, but still, uh, Philadelphia hasn't been a slouch recently either. No. Um, and part of me says, I don't, you sort of see this every year, don't you, where you kind of go, they've got this. Really great veteran, Goran Dragic, who's running the show. And boy, boy, howdy, does he want to get traded to a contender. And suddenly, right, he's passing the ball again. It's moving around. Uh, you know, it's sticking to his hands, and he's not chucking up three-pointers with 21 seconds on the shot clock. You just sort of see Dragic has taken on a, I don't know, maybe this is Spo to your point. Maybe Spo has just reached him, but... It just sort of smells like, boy, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if if Dragic got himself traded out of out of there into a, you know, into a, some sort of contender. Well, the thing is uh, that who needs a point guard of the contenders, and and who's got the assets to be able to offer something uh, to Miami for the likes of a Dragic, who's obviously a really really top line player. I mean, he gets lost in the conversation because there's so many good point guards. Have you just given us permission to go into the baseless speculation territory? <laughs> is, that, is that where we're headed? Well, we could. We could. I mean, I, I just I, – because I've been obviously thinking about the, the trade deadline and, and teams and, and who needs a, who needs what at the top of that. And obviously there's one big contender talking about a playmaker, but there's no chance uh, in hell that they're going to get – unless they give up a very big asset themselves. The Cavs I'm talking about will get – a player like Dragic. No, they, got they don't no, really no. need him anyway because they've got Kyrie. So it's more a backup point guard they're talking about. Well, and what what Miami would want in return, right? So that's the three dimensions of who needs a point guard, number one. Number two, who has assets to get a point guard like Goran. Number three, what's Miami want? And there's no, there's no match with, with Cleveland. But I thought I was um, I was sort of teasing out your team. What... What would a Dragic look like on a San Antonio? We okay, I don't know. Him. I don't. I don't know their asset. Oh, he was drafted by the Spurs. He feels like a Suns player to me. I thought, but you're, yeah, you're right. He did. That was a Nash trade. Uh, no, no, that wasn't a Nash trade. How did he get to Phoenix then? I'm not sure actually. Oh, he never okay. played for the Spurs. Yeah, I think he was traded on draft night actually. But that's where. Look, I don't know their assets or if someone like a Simmons is maybe too valuable off the wing and off the bench for them. Or, uh, look, their future firsts are still going to be right the 25th to 28th picks. But when you ask about contenders and playmaking and heady veterans, I thought 
Houston, or sorry, San Antonio is the first team that jumped to my mind. Am I off well, my no am one I off the reservation? I think he'd be a fantastic pickup. I mean, you throw Tony Parker onto the bench. He's he then loads the bench units. Although they love Paddy Mills playing that role, but maybe Paddy Mills is part of the trade. Well, that's the big question. Would you give up Mills and what? What would get Dragic? Mills and Bert, uh, Mills and Deadman. Mills in yeah, the first. Is, is Deadman maybe? Yeah. Mills in the first and then a throw in. Uh, whether Miami want a Deadman or whether they'd like Jonathan Simmons. Um, I'm not even sure if you look at the Danny Green and see if anyone if anyone wants uh, Danny Green, who's actually shooting the ball well this year, but I've been a bit concerned about his defence. And obviously, it's not the, look at it and make the, the salaries match and all that sort of it's stuff. It's not the Spurs MO, though, is it? It's just not their. To give a bunch of assets for a thirty-one-year-old point guard. Well, that's the thing. We're not we're not a team that generally does that. Puts all the chips no. in, the, in there. We sort of did a little bit with Richard Jefferson back in the day, and that sort of didn't work out. Even though I, I love Richard Jefferson as a player, but it just didn't work out at the Spurs, unfortunately. But that's yeah. probably the only one I can think of where we really and that that, that wasn't a mid-season trade, obviously either. But that was the only one I can think of where they sort of went went big with a trade um, in recent years. So yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised if the Spurs, because I think the Spurs still see themselves as behind the Warriors, even if they see themselves as the number two team. Well, they would see themselves if they look at the, if they look at reason and logic and history and the standings. Um, but they're, they're just not in their ammo, is it, to give up a bunch of assets for an old guy, older guy. Yeah. yeah, look, it depends what the, what the price is. It really depends on what the price is because maybe Miami... Look, I mean, had Miami not gone on this win streak, maybe they look at it and say, you know what, if we give up Dragic, we're certainly going to be in that mix for a top three pick and then we're going yeah. to get yeah. the number one guy anyway. If we add the Spurs to that, plus maybe another asset from the Spurs is going to help us out, then maybe we can move forward um, with, with what they've got now and, and add the, a point guard because obviously the top of the next year's draft is very point guard heavy. I think the top three players at the moment on most big boards I've seen are the three. Almost players. certainly, yeah. Look, the other obvious one, right, was the, so San Antonio, I wondered if, if that maybe you'd move Mills in, a, in an asset to get Goron, but maybe the more logical fit was the Clippers, right, with Chris Paul sidelined, who knows how long he's going to be out. Um, but um, but they've got no assets at all. Well, the, yeah, they they got no assets um, unless you give yeah. up Reddick. I mean, they're throwing at Austin Rivers in every single try at the moment, and then I don't mind Austin Rivers, but I don't think he's a massive nah. asset either. That team's going to be salivating. I think the Heat think they could get a first, like a lottery first for Goron. I still think they think he could, and he's still a hell of a player. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, if I'm talking to the Clippers, I'm looking down the track. Although I think they're a bit hamstrung, the Clippers, as to I don't think they can trade a first round pick until like 2021, because of they've already traded away too many. Um, so there's a, there's a bit of a snafu there. But I could I could see the Clippers falling off a cliff in a couple of years in terms of where their roster's at, and yeah. being one of the bottom teams. So I wouldn't mind having a a future number one from them. And even if it is a 2021, yeah. I could certainly see a scenario where the Clippers um, are one of the worst teams in the league in 2021. 2021, my goodness. <laughs> You're right. There's The 17 is going to Toronto, and then the 19 is going to Boston. 
that's right. So, and then I think one of them was for Jeff Green, who didn't obviously didn't work out. Yeah, another what a one, surprise! Uh, yeah, they're, they're not. They're, um, they keep saying it, but the GM Doc has really screwed Coach Doc uh, during his time there. Yeah, yeah. Doubt. So, but Dragic is certainly a guy that I think a lot of teams will be looking at, uh, and, and it's one of those things that you. Are we close enough where we get one more one more really good player in this team, and that pushes us over the top, or do we sit back and just keep what we've got and see? Because I mean, I was watching the the uh, Warriors Kings game yesterday, which the Kings won in overtime in an absolute shocker, but uh, Draymond Green went down in I think the second quarter of that game, yeah, and and looked looked like a bad fall, and he was clutching his knee and limped off, and I thought. You know, not that you wish that he was out the season, and thankfully he came came right back. But I thought if he's gone for any length of time, it's wide open then. Yeah, did he off. hurt? Did he hurt his kicking leg, or is it the other one? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. No, I think it was his other one. So he's still yeah. able to kick out at LeBron whenever he gets the chance, or whoever he, he feels the need to kick out at. So he'll still be there. But I would argue he's he's the player they can least afford to lose in that team, given everything that he does for them on a night-to-night I, basis. I think the runner-up to my WTF Yogi Ferrell could have been Steve Kerr's theatrics to getting kicked out of that game. What What the... Well, this, this what is, is this? something that's going on. What is Warriors, this? Almost game to game. I mean, they cannot... Ha- they've replaced the Clippers as the team that just cannot have any decision go against them where they're not the shrug of the shoulders, the shake of the head the look of absolute disbelief that how dare you call us for a foul. And I think I think there's a view within their team that they just have never gotten the respect they deserve as a as a champion team. And I think they look at the Cavs and they might, and they think, oh the Cavs get all these calls, LeBron gets all these calls, we don't get any calls. And I don't think it's true, but I think that's that's the narrative that they've gone with. And I think with Steve Kerr the other night, I think it was just a case where they were flat. They were flat from the start of the game. They needed a, a pick me up, and he just said, "Look, I'm just going to, I'm going to go out here and just scream and berate the referee, really for not any reason. It was really silly, but and get myself kicked out and see if I get a reaction." And he got a bit. He got a reaction for a couple of minutes, and then they just went back to playing. You know, in the days that they were in, I mean, Steph Curry missed a wide open layup to basically win the game right at the end. So it was just one of them nights that they just couldn't get anything going. But I think that was the thing. You see Pop do it occasionally. Pop just starts going off at the referee and you think, oh, Pop's going to get himself ejected here so if it has any impact um, on the on the rest of the team. So uh, it, it was a strange one, though. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just... Maybe I'm just a cynic. Does that work? Your players go, oh, Steve's got our backs. Let's play harder defense. I f- oh, it's just it's theatrics. I just kind of go. I'm, I think your point around the whether it's a reality or not is how they perceive themselves. And if I'm LeBron, I am laughing. And you know how little I think of LeBron is irrevocably in my list of cowards for the move to South <laughs> Beach and surrounding himself with his pals and then you know playing footsie and in inflatable flamingos in the fucking Bahamas. And I'm like, you are, you are a child, an absolute child. But if I'm LeBron, but I, 
But man, his game, oh yeah, right? Yeah. Love his life. If I'm LeBron, I am loving the little kid hissy fits that the Golden State Warriors are still capable of. The little entitled, you know, just as you're saying, I go, I love that. That and that's has where to I be. Think, well, they're struggling in close games. I mean, they're like a boxer at the moment. This is what I thought the other day. They're a bit like a boxer that's either going to knock you out in the first round, but if you can take them five, six, seven, eight rounds, then they start getting a bit shaky. And I've seen them in a number of close games this year, and they're 0-3 in overtime games. And they just well, it started with the wasn't it the Christmas game against the Cavs, right? The that's right. One hundred nine, one hundred eight, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So really cl- close games. I think there's a question mark on this team, and there's a there's certainly a question mark over their mentality. I mean, the, the way they lost the finals last year was disappointing to say the least. And then you see them come back this year, and even Zach Lowe called them out one week. Unlike Zach Lowe, the call out of team, and he said, look. He said, stop talking, stop yapping every single game. Just take the win and go home for once. And they just can't seem to do that at the moment. And that's not to... their personality. I mean, Well, they play with a chip on their shoulder, and that's fair enough, and then some teams need to do that. But I think there's a line you can, you can push. And, and the point I, I was thinking with the Kings game, I thought, I can see in the playoffs this team getting some bad calls against them because referees are human, and we've seen it with the Clippers. They just can't stand the fact that every single game, Chris Paul's in their ear, Doc Rivers is in their ear, <laughs> you know, just bitching about call after call after call. And it's like, guys, you know, you're, you're 38 and 9 or whatever you, they were, or whether they are, I think they've lost eight games, actually, the Warriors. So they've got no reason to be worried about refereeing or anything like that. And yet every single game is just a constant. Uh, you know, whining and bitching, and where the whole world's against this sort of attitude uh, that I think is is getting a bit tiresome for a lot of people in the league, and also I think I they, for the referees. I think they doubled down on martyrdom when they signed Kevin Durant. Well, I think they knew once they did that. Okay, you're the bad guys. You're going to be the bad guys. It's just like a wrestling, a pro wrestler turning heel. I mean, that's what they essentially did. Well, that was their equivalent of Miami, LeBron going to Miami. They're just going to, oh, right? They're just going to whinge about a missed opportunity and going to surround themselves with other, you know, like-minded, you know, petulant children. Like, what become of Durant? I used to like him for his forthrightness, but I think he's just, I think he's, I think he's a whiner like the rest of them. I guess I think they sort of fit really well together. Well, they are, and as I said, they're, they're, they've built up this us-against-them mentality, and that's certainly the way they're playing this season, uh, and, and that's how they're going out night on night, just thinking the whole league's against us, and the, Miami had the same mentality. The whole league's against us. No-one wants to see us win. It's us-against-them. I don't think Miami... I never saw Miami bitching about the officials, but having said that, they got every single call every single night the whole time that LeBron was there. So... <laughs> Not that I'm bitter. Not that I'm bitter at all about that, but... Says the guy who had Tim Donahue. <laughs> well, that's another podcast. We've already... It's a whole... We're that's a whole campaign of podcasts. Yeah. That was what was going to lead me to the... We'll, we'll, we'll sort of use that to tack into the All-Star game because one of the things I wanted to talk about was, and I got into an argument, and now I'm going to go in and defend the Warriors a little bit here because I, when I name my... Not, not that anyone really cares about who my All-Star stars were. I do. A bit of a argument with someone about Steph Curry versus Westbrook. And I had Curry ahead of Westbrook. 
and people just lost their minds on Facebook. It was like, oh, heck, do you even watch basketball? How can you possibly have Curry the Westbrook? And I also thought, well, Curry, to me, is still the MVP. I don't think he's played at such... Uh, he hasn't played at a low level at all. I mean, they're on pace to win either 70 games or just under that. OK, Durant's putting up better numbers, but I think he's deferred to Durant a bit. We've seen in the more recent times that he's sort of taking over games again. Uh, but I don't think his play's fallen off at all. And OK, Westbrook's gone up to another level. And I wouldn't have had a major problem between Westbrook or Curry, to be honest. But I think to suggest that Westbrook is just that much better than Curry this year, it's not even a debate, I thought was quite ridiculous. But I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts. I mean, who would you have had firstly, Curry, Westbrook? And is it a closer argument, do you think? I... <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I've, I wanted to see Chris Paul make the make the All Star team. I think there's a talk about a guy getting overlooked. Is that um, it's just the rugged, almost anti Curry, anti pace and space. They the anti right the guy who can get under his skin, perhaps even better than LeBron could. It's just such a horrible shame to see him get hurt. Mm. So I was ready to have a big debate about Chris Paul mm. being snubbed. Right for perhaps. Oh, I think Steph he was Curry. in the conversation. I mean, you look at what he was doing in the first part of the season. Yeah, when everyone was just blown away by what the Clippers were doing early on, and as you, as usually happens in LA, it falls to pieces. But unfortunately, injury related again. Look, um, my money on this. If you're talking taking away the votes and popularity, um. My, how do you not have Russell Westbrook as one of the top five players in the West? If it, um, to see what he's had to do with without Kevin Durant, and he's doing what Kobe could probably never do. It's, Russell has a way of getting everyone coalesce a team around his ridiculous, you know, usage rate. Right, Kobe would alienate everyone until, right, until Shaq came along, and just basically was the, well, similar styles alienate everyone, think you're better than everybody, and make the team basically just fall into line, and um, take orders from them. Russ is not quite Dame Lillard in bringing people together, but he's in that vein where there's something about the way he plays the spirit, the energy. He's actually quite a, as crazy as it sounds, he's a generous player, I know, with whatever, 32% usage or something. Mm -hmm. And so to do what he's done without Durant, and I go, sorry, it's this is how, this is how the all-star game should work. Who has had the best season to date? And to surround Russ Westbrook, uh, Russ Westbrook with, you know, um, uh, with the talent he's had and do what he's done is just, I don't, it stands for itself. I mean, I think he's certainly one of the top five. I think it obviously come down between him, Harden and Curry. Harden to me is automatic. He's been unbelievable at Houston so far this year. And I think he's MVP at the moment. But then, although they've, they've slipped off a little bit recently, so that's something to keep an eye on. But, Westbrook and Curry, then it comes down to a debate between them. And I guess I take a different view of All-Star in that it's it's past... Your past uh, achievement should count for something, particularly when you're the reigning MVP. 
So unless you you really fallen off and the guys just put together such a great case, um, and I I was sort of hoping Westbrook would be more like um, Dame Lillard than he probably has been this year, and I just there's still just something about his game, and I just particularly down the stretch in games and things like that, where you just don't feel like he's getting everyone involved as much as he he possibly could be. So, but maybe I'm just misreading, and and I and I think he's a shameless stat chaser, a shameless stat chaser, um, and the kicking out of the legs on foul on trying to get foul on threes is one of my big pet peeves in the NBA and he's the number one proponent of it and it just really really annoys me something about his there's a couple of things in his game I guess that just annoy me a little bit well that's the same thing that annoy us about Harden I think Harden is the he's grotesque in his <laughs> how he draws con- it is grotesque it is something out of out of fucking FIFA I tell you what on La Liga man this is the, the stuff he does but uh, yeah, look what um, he is a ridiculous usage. He shoots a pretty ordinary percentage, right? Um, but when he still averaged ten points and ten, I think he's still on a triple double, isn't he? Yeah, ten ten rebounds and yep. ten assists a game. He's still averaging triple double, so and, yeah, and he's still a, averaging. And for a fifty win team, so it's not like there's a, it's a twenty win team. Like a, a team on track to win. PR is thirty, right? It's five points ahead of Steph. So I just go. Yeah. Imagine Steph Curry with no Durant, no Draymond, and Clay, and instead it's you know it's I no one even knows how to say the name of Robertson or Roberson and freaking Oladipo and Stephen Adams. It's just uh sorry, Steph Curry would would be yes he'd probably score thirty eight points a game, but that's where I go. That's the counterfactual we can never know is yes. that Steph Steph had bad ankles when he was surrounded by no talent, so he wasn't the same player he is now. But that's all. I'm, that's why I think well, Russ deserves the start to go to lift that team, you know, without all the talent is yeah. I think deserved. But but look, he's on the team. It's not exactly a snub. People vote, right? I think my, the only snubs I thought were, and again, there was no real obvious. For me, there was no obvious disgusting, you know, injustice. But man, I would have loved to seen, um, probably Gobert ahead of. DeAndre Jordan, yeah, or Dame Lillard. Just in, I guess I don't know who I'd bump. To be fair, who do you bump for Dame for Dame Lillard? Do you bump Clay well, Thompson? Who I, yeah, I sort Clay's of like probably the obvious guy. But again, you know, you're talking about a team that's winning amazing amount of games at the moment. Um, and Draymond, well, you, I think, has to be there. I mean, he, I think he's him and Kawhi, defensive players of the year, again, so far this season. Yeah, look, it's hard to it's hard to to argue against the forty three and eight team, but and Clay plays defense again. Talking about Draymond, Clay plays defense, unlike you know Harden and Westbrook will ever do. And same thing with Dame Lillard is a he's a willing defender. He's just not a capable defender the way Clay is. So uh, I actually didn't have any major you know snubs this year on either side, East or West. Oh, I didn't really like the four. I didn't really like the East team, just in the fact that they've got what one, two, three, four point guards on the bench, plus Giannis, LeBron, and Kyrie in the starting lineup, who can all play point guard essentially as well. So I think the team's a bit redundant if you're going to call it a proper basketball team. I think there's a few players there that even though Kemba Walks had a good year, 
Um, I, I would have, you know, and I would have loved to see him beat there, but I understand the argument against that he just hasn't played enough games. Yeah, I, I, look, I think I'm, I sort of like how it's gone where I feel like what's happened is that, you know, the vote and the player vote has gone towards who are the best players, you know, in the in the conference, almost irrespective of position. I love how they've gone, you know, sort of backcourt and frontcourt. And if you, it'd be hard to put an argument together for frontcourt players ahead of, you know, Wall and Walker. Um, well, that's the problem. I mean, and, and that's where it, it becomes, and that, that's why the game itself, I think, has become obviously as the years gone on more and more of a, a joke and more and more of a just a out and out exhibition game, possibly because players are worried about getting injured and things like that. But I just think it has hurt the game as a spectacle when you go back and watch some of the some of the games from sort of the eighties and that where they were still taking it serious to a certain extent. Um, what I'd love to see maybe this year is they pull pull Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green aside and say, "Listen, guys, we're going to decide Defensive Player of the Year on who plays the best defense in this game, and just see someone go out and play defense <laughs> in an All Star game." Um, I even had an idea where you just change it to be a a two on two tournament, and you 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 know, could you imagine seeing Giannis and Jimmy Butler against Draymond and Kawhi in the two on two game? Mate, you were right on where I was going. I thought three on three, just you know, pick your splitting hairs here. But did you see that Allen Iverson and Ice Cube were starting a three on three league? Did I you did see, see that? Yes, and I actually <clears throat> went back because when I had the idea, I, I didn't realize this. In two thousand and two, they had the three on three tournament as part of All Star Weekend. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think oh, who was the guy? Another guy drafted by the Spurs. He played in Orlando for years. Um, Turkaloo, he ended up winning it. Hedo, uh, that's right. Hedo. He was fen- phenomenal in three on three. That's yeah. right. But they're saying, yeah, they're saying the three on three league with uh, obviously might be a bit of fun. There's some ex NBA players, and uh, I'm not sure if celebrities involved as well. I'm not sure what they how they're putting the teams together. Well, I don't know how you do it, but the answer for me has always been something called money. Why not? Everyone gets a million dollars if you win. Or two million, or pick a number that's, you know, that's something more than pocket change in Macau. But you know, why not? Why not think about the revenue generated from these games? Um, maybe it goes to charity. I'm not sure what the how you'd work it, but I go if you actually want to try and get a competitive game. Baseball has shown us how it doesn't work, giving a World Series to the home team and having 21 pitchers pitch, you know, a third of an inning in a game takes four hours in the NFL. NFL is hard because the risk of injury is so high. So I, I empathize with the NFL, but come on, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of with, I'm with the whatever we can do to make the NBA All Star Game interesting. I think you should call be, on these should be guys, considered. You call on their ego a bit too, and just sort of say, I remember the most interesting game in the All Star Game for probably the last five years was when Durant came in, and there was real talk about who's the best player in the NBA at the moment. Is it Durant or is it LeBron? And there was a moment in the game where I think LeBron had the ball and Durant went out to mark him, and it's like, and everyone else just cleared out. And LeBron, being the pussy that he is, dribbled it twice and passed it off. <laughs> but it would have been fantastic to just clear out, like they did for Jordan and Magic Johnson in Magic Johnson's last All Star game, and say, let's go one on one. You know, let's let's see who is the best one on one player. 
Let's do something. That's yeah. something. Yeah, and, that, and that's something. You, you just look at it and go, and like I said before, if we had, let's say you go, if, even if it is thrown through, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George against Draymond, uh, Westbrook, and Kawhi, just to throw three names out there. Well, you know, what you do that, is you, if there are 12 guys in a team, you have four four groups of three on three, right? And almost play like a tournament. Right. That's right. Or you maybe say, get like a yeah. rider cup rules. If you one that one team wins, they get a win, and then you know you go on from there. And you could even have the first game be between rookies and sophomores. So the first round three is a rookie sophomore game. That, again, split on conferences, and then you know then you got a situation where LeBron doesn't want to lose. If if it's LeBron, Kyrie, and uh, Kevin Love, let's say against. Steph, Durant, and Clay Thompson. LeBron doesn't want to lose that. Warriors don't want to lose that. Now you've got a situation where the, the Eagles How good would that it. be? And, and How I'm good would that, that be? Like, everyone's watching that. Everyone's, you're probably going to be betting on it and just if, if you're that way inclined. And, you know, I, th- I think that's where you get the excitement back. Obviously, there's a, the issue is will play a sign off and you know, I think you'd have a guy like LeBron would just be like I'm not putting myself through that because what if I lose and people are just going to question my legacy then I think LeBron would say <laughs> fuck this shit <laughs> sorry Kevin fuck off man I want Paul George that would be the best are you the captains pick teams <laughs> and Kevin Love is over there with his hand up in the air and LeBron just looks right past him t- I take George well that would be the schoolyard rules, too. LeBron's the captain. He's picking the teams. But I thought you could have it. Again, to go to the Ryder Cup rules, you have an ex-player come in. Maybe maybe MJ's the East captain. And he, he sticks LeBron with two of the scrubs in the team. Not that they're well, the scrubs, but you know what I mean. He do might. it like Ryder Cup. Where the captain, you know, pits the they pick the pairs and they pick the teams that That's go right. together. Yeah. And, yeah, and you match them up against each other. Match them up, and then you try and get the best matchups to to get the people interested. But I think that's just I think there's some some thinking outside the square needs to be involved. Um, and just talking about between LeBron and MJ, there's a really good interview on um, Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast. I hate to uh, put up Woj. a podcast out there, but Woj is one of the best. Like he needs more of our our, yeah, our fans <laughs> funneled to his. Podcast, well done, double Z. This is double Z dad dad's talking. By the way, <laughs> well, the, he interviewed Jerry Krause and Jerry, and he said, "Jerry, did Michael Jordan ever come to you and ask for a player?" And he said, "In all the years he was there, Michael Jordan never ever once came to him and said, I want this player. I don't want this player. I need you to sign this position. I want you to trade for this guy.' Never." And he said, "Why do you think that was?" And he said, "He just thought he was that good. He could win with whoever I put on the court with him." So, oh, great answers! That they're the greatest of all time, and that's why he's the greatest of all time. Confirming what we all sort of thought. Look, um, well, I'm, I'm so the three point contest is always a bit of fun. Is it funny how twenty years evolved? And well, thank God to Levine and Gordon, but how the the three point contest is actually more interesting than the dunk contest, and probably has been for for quite a while. Um, I'm going to miss Levine. Um, I don't think there was any major snubs, but man. I'll be honest. I'm not tuning in. No, is that wrong to say? I won't be watching that. I won't watch. I'll 155 to 141, which is well, it's the same fucking score as Clippers versus Dubs on a you know a Tuesday. But 
well, if I check the scores and it's close, I might watch the last two minutes or something. Yeah. But, uh, that's all it'll take. Now, before, just, we, before yeah. we go, I wanted to – there was a quiz question that I had for you. Oh, so let's let's test your Milwaukee Bucks knowledge. Oh God! Now since Sydney Moncrief represented Milwaukee in the All Star Game in 1985-86, apart from Giannis, who's back this year, there's been six Milwaukee Bucks All Stars. Can you name all six? Yes. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> is this a yes, no? No, I cannot. Um, I'll give it a crack, though. Let me see. Okay, so you're talking post-Sir Sid. Um, well, I know Michael Red. That's a Michael that's probably Red the one. easy that's one, correct. right? Beautiful um, shoe, though. That, that's the guy people say, who's the comp to Steph Curry? And I just think from a pure shooting point of view, I love Michael Red with that quick release. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he blew his ACL as well. It really derailed him. It was a really fun career evolving. He could have played till probably Kyle Korver age, oh, but um, yeah. So he was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Um, but look, his his um his development was part of the reason that um lunatic furious George dumped the other All Star, which is Ray Allen. Of course, he was that's right. He made it a couple times, I think. Uh, three times, yes. Three times, yep. Um. Uh, Look, his running mate, I'm certain Big Dog made it a couple Big of years. Big Dog made it a couple of years, yes. Yeah, who doesn't get enough credit. You know, he Look, he was uh, perhaps burdened with uh, such an unbelievable college career, you know, and the almost obvious number one, almost Dwight Howard-like with, you know, you have to take him number one. But, uh, again, injuries took his, you know, took his 30s away from him. But he actually had a quite a nice career. Um, just wish that 10-footer against Philly would have fall, <laughs> fallen. Motherfucker. That's still on um, the NBA so classics. You that's that yeah, God. Um, that's even that's probably close to as bad a refereeing as the as the Spurs, Suns, um, and some of the Lakers and Lakers Kings. Probably the three worst refereed series in the history of it of was the a league. Bad year if a NBA yeah, was yeah, boy. Um, we could probably spend a whole podcast on the think about teams that you weren't emotionally invested in, but always wish they'd won. It was that. That Vlade and Peja and Mike Bibby and Chris Weber Spurs team with Rick Adelman, but um, I digress. So um, the other one is Vin Baker. He's for sure That's would it. have made a couple All Stars, right? Out of Hartford. Um, now I'm going to struggle. That's four, huh? So that's four. I see. There's another three. There's another three. So that's going to probably clear the two thousands. Um, Yep, so the last Mike, one, so we're looking yeah. at 1990, 91, they actually had two All-Stars. Yeah, yeah, okay, goodness gracious. So I'm pretty sure Alvin Robertson, did he make an All-Star game? That's correct, yes. Yep, he's one of your Spurs boys. That, That's right. Um, he was one of the, kind of the, him and Fat Lever were kind of the, those triple-double machines. Or probably well, had Another three. guy that had the cup of tea with the Spurs is uh, was an All-Star in 88, 89. To the Bucks. Jeez. Oh, so, look, my question is: Can I make a guess and get it wrong, or is the game over if I get the game's over if you get one wrong? Yeah, god damn it. So, look, I know who had a cup of tea, but I can't believe you made an all-star. Burkowski never made an all-star team, did he? No, it was not Burkowski. No. It was Terry no, Cummings. 
who made an 88, 89. He also made oh, an 84, of 85. Of and course. Ricky Pierce was the other one. Oh, yeah, who played. He had a nice career with the Sonics afterwards as well. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So it's been a lean, lean run for. And it's been obviously since uh, Michael Red, you've 12 years with our North Star. That's almost impossible to do. Yeah, I've had a, it's been a fascinating week. So Giannis, I think no one's going to argue with Giannis as a starting front court. I think in the East, he's been unbelievable. Um, Plumley getting dumped, but uh, something you and I traded comments on was um, I heard Charles Barkley say during I forget which game it was. I think it was the Denver game, um, Bucks Denver, but saying that but Barkley basically said. The Bucks have way too much talent. They're his number one most disappointing team in the league. Well, coincidentally, it was the same day he made the comments about LeBron. So, was <laughs> the it? Bucks he was in a mood, got huh? a little bit overshadowed. Yeah, by, uh, by him calling out LeBron the way he did. But uh, I thought that was a crazy, <laughs> crazy statement um, from the Bucks. I mean, there's there've been a lot of things. I don't think disappointing is one of the terms I'd use to describe. I mean, I know. People had high hopes when they were, what, 16-16 or whatever, but they've, they've sort of fallen back since. But that's not to be unexpected for a young team like this. Yeah. Well, kids going to be – I think kids going to be under some scrutiny now. Um, but maybe that's all Barkley is just with hyper, hyperbole sort of saying that way too much talent. So so what's the problem? Which is a – that's basically a dig at kid. And I don't. I actually go back and think about Barkley and Kidd's history and how they played together. But that's what I heard when I heard that sort of statement. But uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's a that's a great quiz question. I yes. was I would have sat here silent for ten minutes trying to think of Ricky Pierce. <laughs> to be fair, TC I would have gotten, but Ricky would have uh, that would have Ricky Pierce. Been. I knew that was the one that was going to throw. Nice you know, one. the other ones. I, I could have gotten Vin Baker and. Uh, Big Dog and Ray Allen, Michael yeah. Red, I remember. Yeah. But yeah, going back before that would have been would have been difficult. So, well, you convinced me that Burkowski was an all star. So, well, he should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Brad Lowhouse, the, the Brad team. the Body Lowhouse. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. It. All right, Dad. Okay, mate. Well, we'll leave it there for another week. But next week we'll come back. We'll start thinking more serious about the trade deadline. I think it's going to be one of the things that we need to look at. But. Uh, Hopefully it's a good All-Star weekend uh, coming up, but then we're going to get a bit more serious, I think, as the trade deadline comes and goes about who is really a, a contender for the title this year. And we just need someone to battle Aaron Gordon at All-Star weekend. I have no idea who's going to do that. Jonathan Simmons. We'll, we'll, the Spurs will come to, come to the rescue again. Yeah, okay, there you go. White Knights. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we'll see you again next week. See you, pal. Thanks, mate.